0: Here's a Japanese man speaking on without you. Just an old second hand man, you buy your old days from you. Well, I'm here at Necronomicon 2019 uh, with Matthew M. Bartlett, uh, who I, I discovered one of his books uh, earlier this year. It's been a book that's been out for a while back uh, called Gateways to Abomination. And I thought it was such a remarkable yeah, book that I've, I've, I've tracked Matthew down to have a chat with him here uh, and, and find out a little more about well, what, what drove him to do it. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for joining us, Matthew. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, yeah, let's... Um, well, let's start uh, talking about Gateways to Abomination, because it's the only one of your books I, I, I've read so far, something I hope to rectify quite soon. But the, I mean, this is one of the oddest books I've ever read. I, in terms of structure, in terms of content, I've been recommending it to people, but I, I've really been struggling to know what to describe it as. I, I, whether it's even a novel, a collection of short stories, vignettes, or or some mutant combination thereof. How
1: do you describe it? I would say it's definitely the last thing you said, a mutant combination thereof. (laughs) It was... It started out as uh, blog posts on LiveJournal in 2004 um, that only a few friends read. Um, I I had no particular... I didn't know where I was going with it, I just started it and would add to it from time to time Uh, and I got a very enthusiastic response from from friends of mine Um, and eventually, many years later after I started it, um, self-publishing became an option. Um, But in any event, that's the reason for the way it, it... the stories appear in the book, I think, in the same order they appeared online. Oh, okay. um, so it was simply a matter of copying and pasting into the. St- <laughs> so that's the reason for it, and it. I was not conversant with current horror and weird fiction at the time that I was writing it. it was uh, I read my. I read Stephen King, Lovecraft, Robert Aikman, Thomas Ligotti, and then other non horror uh, authors so um, I was definitely working in my own strange little bubble and not yeah. influenced by what else was going on around me
0: yeah because there is something no I don't want to say old-fashioned but but classic about the nature of the horrors involved mm-hmm. so this is you know very much sort of you know old-school witchcraft and demons and devils and right yeah a yeah. but, but but at the same time you present them in such a way that I don't know I I felt dirty reading this (laughs) book. I I felt like I needed a bath afterwards. You're
1: not the only person to tell me that. Um, Yeah, it was pretty grotesque, and and part of that was trying to amuse and entertain my few friends who were reading it online. And it kind of was in a New England tradition of there being old witchcraft about uh, since the settlers landed or before uh, so yeah, yeah I mean, it a, but it goes from between between it bounces between modern day and and not modern day yeah it, colonial certainly,
0: it certainly seems to be very rooted in new england Yeah, mm. it's, it is you yeah, know i i, I you yeah, know i assume from that that you you come from this area or massachusetts uh born in so?
1: connecticut and right. moved to massachusetts in my early 20s Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, because it certainly seems to be steeped in yeah you know, the, the the landscape and the myths. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that whole sort of Puritan fear of, of the devil and and his works.
1: Yes. Yes. And in my universe of the books, uh, there is most certainly a devil, but no god. <laughs> <So there's laughs> the whatever goodness there exists is in people, and it's nowhere near enough. Is, yeah. yeah. Is my Take on my sort of little corner of the weird fiction world.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's another thing I liked about it, which is it's it, it is just unremittingly dark. <laughs> yeah. there, there, there are there are no little glints of light anywhere in that I, book. Uh, The
1: only light I think is that there is some humor, but the humor is also very very dark. <laughs> yes, uh, and yeah, but it doesn't provide respite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you talked about the fact that you were working in isolation and not really beholden to any trends in, in modern weird fiction. I mean, how how would you typify what it is you, you write? I mean, are you, uh, uh, structure aside and so on, but if you were to try to
1: describe the type of horror you write... Uh, I would call it simply supernatural horror. Mm. with a the, And there's an element of folk horror in it, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't have a pithy little way that I can sort of put together a phrase that <laughs> is, is, it's kind of accidentally my own thing and for that reason I was afraid it would not catch on because when I was preparing to publish it as a book I did become conversant with current Weird Fiction and I thought, wow, my, my stuff isn't anything like this and I hoped that might be a strength mm. or a uniqueness that might allow it its own niche uh, but I feared that people would think it was garbage because it wasn't uh, traditional story length there are mm. fragments and, and things like that um, but it, it, it turned out to find its its niche and I went on to write more traditional horror stories. So I go back and forth between your f- normal length story that one might submit to an anthology uh, and my own fragments and weird uh, <laughs> mosaic Mosaic novel is the, oh, the term yeah. that uh, yes. I didn't know until somebody told me <laughs> that yeah. that's what these were. And it meant to fool people that it was a collection of short stories and then as it rolls on the connections start to coalesce but never entirely coherently in order to keep the reader off balance and and unhinged a little bit like the author. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's
0: almost almost musical in that respect in that you've got, you know, themes and refrains Mm. that come back and echo and play
1: off each other. I love that and and, I like doing that and and bizarrely my inspiration for that is kind of uh, in music uh, like Roger Waters and Pink Floyd, uh, certain phrases come up again or musical Mm. bits that are recognizable from song to song, uh, referencing back to other uh, parts, having parts one and two and three of songs slash stories, and that was kind of where I got that inspiration from. Mm-hmm.
0: And though you use you know, traditional, I, I guess, gothic and folk horror elements, you um, Nothing about the presentation of the book feels like you know traditional gothic horror, mm. and you know we're sitting here talking about this at Necronomicon, which is a convention that is devoted to weird fiction. Yeah, I would you consider this to be part of sort of the weird fiction
1: tradition? Yes, right. I do. I and I think it's got its own strange neighborhood in that area. And I've mm. seen uh, books such as um, John Paget's Secret of Ventriloquism. Oh yes. Uh, He and I were working, I think, at around the same time and doing similar things without knowing it, although his is, again, more a traditional short story collection with a lot of interwoven uh, themes and and, um, references from story to story that carry through and make it more like a mosaic novel. But he and I occupy, I think, a strange, unique little corner, (laughs) but definitely still part of the whole, the whole thing, happily, because I, I was sort of accepted into the, the fold of it, which pleased me greatly. <laughs> so yeah, Necronomicon is a is a <laughs> blast.
0: Oh, <laughs> I mean, you talk about how you sort of found your way into this this style, this content, you know, pretty organically. Are are there any particular influences that you drew upon uh, consciously, or or is this just? You know, it erupted you know, feverishly <laughs> from your
1: mind? Um, it it was feverishly from my mind with a touch of reading uh, Lovecraft and Ligotti mm. who gave me the confidence to try it, uh, to try to put it out in front of the world because I felt like when I was younger, very young, I started reading Stephen King. Mm. And he has that authorial um, and authoritative What's the word I'm looking for? He seems to know everything. Yes. So there's police procedural stuff. There's there's he talks about the history of, of a town in such a way that I'm uh, incapable of doing. And he's like, and I'm thinking, how does he know all of this? He seems to have this all-encompassing knowledge of the world and how it works. And I thought, if well, if I don't have that, I can't be a writer. And then I realized with Lovecraft and Ligotti that they are less focused on on that uh real world stuff um the ins and outs of this and that and more into the uh just strange unique little corners of the world uh, yeah it's
0: is it's that realization that when you're creating something you can just Focus the spotlight on where you want. That you, know, you you don't you don't have to show all the bits that you don't want to show. No,
1: yeah. exactly, and you don't have to be a uh, John Irving or uh, uh, the John Irving of horror or something. You can be circumspect, and you can uh, use non-real world uh, setups and even strange yeah. governments, and, and mm. uh, you know, you, you, there's a freedom in knowing you can do whatever you want and I think I've only begun to explore the possibilities of you know what I can do in fiction (laughs) you know and it's a great prospect to think of uh, just ideas keep coming. Uh, So you're a regular here at Necronomicon aren't you? I've been coming every it's every two years and I've come to everyone since 2013. In 2013 I came as a fan just considering the idea of putting a book together and of course I left inspired um, and I didn't even know I was among so many writers, I kind of drifted in and out of, I didn't really uh, attend many panels or readings, I just took tours and went around Providence and hung out with my friends And so, but yeah every year since, every time since I make it a point, It's a not. it's a cannot miss yeah. event for me, it's an oasis of like-minded people who have become friends readers fans and, and writers and editors and artists and yes. musicians yes. yeah and publishers its it's a big extended family that I was surprised to stumble into in my mid 40s I would not have predicted it for myself
0: yeah it's, it's amazing here and it, it is I you know there, there seems to be you know like you say a huge support network here because I, I think I, I first became aware of your work at the last Necronomicon when you, you had a stall here that you were sharing with, was it other local writers? Um, or, or no, you had your own stall last time, didn't I did you? not
1: have my own. No. I'm trying to remember. I think last year, I, or last occasion of Necronomicon, I had my books at the table of uh, Eve Torini, oh, uh, yes. artist, game designer, um, who has illustrated... Uh, some of my uh, work, so I had books at, at his table last last time. Right. Yes. Yes.
0: And you, you're here with uh, a number of other local writers this time, is it? Sure. Uh,
1: yes. Um, I let me see. <laughs> Again, I have a brand new book that's at Eve's table. Um, I have some books at the New England Horror Writers table. Oh yes. Yeah, and they're yes. a group that I. Uh, attend some conventions with to sell to sell books or um, essentially leave my books at their table and wander wander around
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so who else would you you recommend our listeners you know seek out from from
1: that well, group I, I know uh i'm told you recently spoke with uh, nathan Ballingrid, and yep. he's not part of that group but he, he's uh i didn't catch the end of your question there but he's uh, fantastic. Um, Douglas Wynne is in the New England Horror Writers Group. That's W Y N N E. He's uh, got a really good novels, um, kind of very Lovecraftian, um, very enjoyable. Um, Who else? My my brain starts to to (laughs) fall apart when I try to think. uh, (laughs) I I I, I
0: sympathize thoroughly. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's uh. There I have a friend named Tom Breen, B R E E N, who I've known for a very long time before uh, either of us were uh, writers or in, in. And he is not prolific, or he doesn't publish prolifically. But he is fantastic. He's one of the best underpublished writers I know of. And he has a book entitled Orford Parish Murder Houses, which is a good introduction to his uh, style. That's a
0: terrific title. It is, and
1: it's done almost as a thick brochure that one might encounter in a town of uh, murder houses with, <laughs> uh, with the accompanying stories that... Uh, led them to be murder houses and it's funny and interesting and um terrifying it's one of the better books that uh i try to push it on people wherever i can
0: I, that, that sounds like the kind of fiction book that would appeal particularly to gamers i mean you know this is primarily a gaming podcast and most of our listeners not not exclusively but most of our listeners you know people who, who are passionate about role-playing games yes and you know it struck me as well that you know. Your, your work or at least the work of yours I've read so far is as well the kind of Stuff that it, you know could be very inspirational to gamers, just because of the the way you handle world build and the way you handle fragments of stories. It's it, it's almost like you know the idea of presenting you know little plot that people can then run off with and mutate into something uh, fresh.
1: And they have. I know I've had interest from uh, gamers and um, somebody online, and I'm going to woefully forget his name. Uh, I think did some. Gaming of his own devisement based on my, my work. I don't think it's a thing that's available for, for purchase or anything, but just something he did among oh, his nice. group. And uh, the aforementioned uh, Eve Torini from Canada did design a solo card game based on my work that's no longer available. He's done one about Lovecraft in that universe. Uh, one about me, and one about and my universe, and one about Robert W. Chambers. Oh, okay. um, why, why
0: have I never heard of these? Yes, and I can't, oh. and
1: I'm going to be embarrassed because I can't remember the name of the game. I mean, mine was called The Real Leeds, L-E-E-D-S, um, based on my fictional Leeds, Massachusetts. Yes. And, um, yeah, they're, they're neat games. The, the, player is like a detective um and um all based in my world and on my stories and i can send you information on it post podcast well thank uh, thank you yeah i can put all
0: that in the show notes
1: yes yes so uh, (laughs) yeah that'll be good so i can provide more details about it but it's a neat neat game yeah i and you know this
0: this cross-pollination between our uh, kind of odd little worlds always fascinates me. I, I was having quite a long chat last night with Nathan Ballingrode and we were talking about the fact that, you know, because both of us are you know, our gamers and we're both interested in the fiction side of things, that we're bouncing around between the different tracks of, of what's going on at Necronomicon.
1: Yes. But
0: we're also aware that, you know, very few of the people that we know, you know, Nathan, you know, the writers he knows and me, the gamers I know, sort of drift outside our, our, little, our little tracks. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, do, do you see much much evidence of, of crossover here, or is it very much, you know, when you come to Necronomicon, you know, do you just really sort of see the writer side of things and the, the gaming stuff is this dark
1: little corner? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm hyper-focused on, you know, excuse me, my writer friends, and I'm tangentially aware that there are these other tracks in which I, I don't have a specific interest, but I'm glad they're here, mm. very much so, because it's such a, while it is a community with, with divisions, they're not antagonistic divisions, they're no. just divisions of interest, but we, I'm sure there's probably more cross-pollination in, in, uh, than I'm aware of, um, because I'm hyper-focused on, <laughs> on the writing of the writers and seeing. Seeing people that I sometimes only get to see every two years, like Nathan, um, yes. who I adore um, as a writer and as a, as a person, and countless others who are just absolutely supportive, friendly, free with advice, like to talk about this uh, stuff that we love so much.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's something I've, I've noticed over the years, that um, the horror writers I've known tend to be the nicest people I've ever met, and horror fans in general, but horror writers, I I mean my, my pet theory has always been that horror writers
1: are in this unique position of being able to exercise their demons and get them out <laughs> on the page. I agree, <laughs> and I, I've had this discussion several times that growing up my brother was in punk rock bands, and oh, we'd yeah. have kids in the house with tall mohawks, <laughs> and people that that society thought of as scary and I know my parents were like these are the sweetest kids Mm. and you look at people who are into uh, heavy uh, music and you look at people who are into the horror aesthetic and they're lovely people but then you you go out into the world and some of the people who are in uh, you know polo shirts with the the collars turned up and very neat and polished are absolute devils (laughs) yes and that's uh, I think (laughs) not a lot of the world has caught on to that, but it's something you, you, uh, you catch, I think, fairly early on when you're into subcultural uh, uh, places, that these are really, really lovely people. And obviously there are exceptions on both sides, but, um, but that's been my experience largely and, and a delight to, to know you feel like you have secret knowledge <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes
0: yeah. Well, and, and also an immediate thing in common with everyone
1: else that just breaks the ice instantly is yes, absolutely, is. Yeah, there's conversation openers uh, even people with uh, social anxiety, which I, I'm fortunate enough not to really have uh, they hide in their room sometimes, but they can always um, maintain a good conversational level because it's just, again, this stuff that we love in common
0: So just to wrap things up, we've talked obviously a little bit about Gateways to Abomination, but what other work of yours is there that people could seek out at the moment, and what what do you have um, that's coming up shortly?
1: Sure, I'd be glad to talk about that. Um, There is a sequel to Gateways to Abomination uh, entitled Creeping Waves. It's a much larger book, um, similarly executed uh, with a story that's a through line. Oh, right. I also have um, The Stay Awake Men and Other Unstable Entities, which is seven more traditional, not interlinked short stories. I'm very proud of that because it's also a little more subtle and subdued, and you, I don't think you'll feel dirty after reading it. Uh, it is still dark, but I, I, it's um, and, and there is still some grotesquery in there. Oh, But it's, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be me if there wasn't, but it, it's uh, possibly more restrained. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's a book called Of Doomful Portent, which is uh, in the guise of an advent calendar. Uh, with each, it was originally published as an advent calendar where you tear open uh, a <laughs> corner to read the story, uh, but it was adapted into a book, and it's uh, 25, I think, short pieces that are somewhat interconnected and culminate in a winter storm in which you know the some bad bad things happen, and oh, that's nice. definitely more on the uh, you'll feel dirty. <laughs> side.
0: Well, I, I I don't know about advent calendars in the U.S., but British advent calendars traditionally behind each box you get a little bit of chocolate
1: wrapped up. You would up in not fire. want this chocolate. <laughs> I, I was just thinking. I I don't think I'd want to take the foil off. No. No. <laughs> uh, and on the horizon, I have a brand new chapbook entitled Music of the Moldering. Um, I can send you a link to uh, where that that's not on Amazon, but it can be purchased on the internet and here at the con. Um, uh, I've been talking with Eve Torini about doing a, um, and this is an exclusive uh, bit of information, uh, a tarot card deck. Oh, wow. Based on my, uh, my universe. So... Uh, that He brought that up to me here at the con, and um, we're going to have further discussions about that. I have a, uh, I have a record from Kadabra Records entitled Mr. White Noise, currently out of print but may be re-released, and a new record from them coming out called Call Me Cory, um, coming out I think toward the end of the year.
0: Wow. So when you say record, is that spoken word?
1: Spoken word backed by music of uh, an excellent outfit entitled uh, Black Mountain Transmitter. Oh, yeah, yes. 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 Um, Working with James. uh, He is the perfect soundtrack to my work. That's amazing. It's a lovely collaboration that I I crave. He's he's brilliant. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll keep an eye out for that one. Yes. Yes, yes.
0: Well, thank you very much, Matthew. It's been lovely meeting you, and thank you for, for being generous with
1: your time here. And Thank you for having me. It's been my, my absolute pleasure and joy, and um, I want to say hi to your listeners. Hello?
0: blasphemoushomes.com.